Hello everyone, this is Rising Above Shadows of Abuse, the weekly podcast for anyone currently experiencing trauma, pain, shame, guilt, anger, and wants to eradicate these negative emotions. I'm your host, Grace Opa. I'm a survivor of domestic violence. Welcome listeners to another episode of Rising Above Shadows of Abuse. Today's episode centers around world news about abuse. London, UK, Evening Standard, Monday, the 7th of February, 2022. Mohamed Ashfaq, who abused his ex-partner over a four-month period. The woman says she no longer feels safe after suffering months of abuse. Ashfaq, who assaulted her between January to May 2020 and threatened to kill her. He also raped her on two occasions and filmed himself doing so. In a statement read in court, the woman said she couldn't work or be around other men due to the severe abuse she suffered. The statement read, and I quote, I remember everything he's done and said to me, his actions, his voice. I get days where I wake up terrified. I've never felt like I do now. I have never felt like I do now. I feel angry and disappointed. Sometimes I blame myself. When it's been really difficult for me, I've felt like I can't carry on. Come to courts. Give evidence. I've carried on because I don't want him to hurt someone else's daughter. Let me be the last person he'll ever touch. Nobody should experience what he has done to me. On May 5th, 2020, officers were called to an incident where the victim had been found on the road covered in blood. Ashfat had assaulted her and prevented her from leaving the house at the time. He was charged and remanded. Detective Constable Jennifer Newman, who led the investigation, said, Ashfaq is a dangerous and manipulative man. And I have no doubt that were he not serving a custodial sentence, he will go on to commit similar offences against other women. He subjected his partner to violent physical attacks and the emotional impact of his behavior that she will continue to live with for a long time. Her life has been turned upside down by what happened. He was convicted and sentenced to 19 years and a further four years on license at Snaresbrook Crown Court. Reuters News about Mexico by Carly Pearson on 9th of March 2020. A recent report by Amnesty International put Mexico as one of the top 10 least safe countries for women in the world. Women across Mexico have been protesting against femicide in recent months. 80,000 women dressed in purple and black descended upon the capital to protest the country's femicide epidemic and across the nation. Women of different ages and background joined local matches to protest an increasing outrage at the gender-based violence epidemic and the lack of an adequate response on behalf of the government. Fox News, 5th of February 2022, USA, by Melissa Roberto. Jana Kramer recalls past domestic violence and cites Gabby Petito's case as a reminder. Abuse is never okay, she quotes. She spoke out about the dangers of abuse, stressing to her social media followers that it's never okay. She took to Instagram on a Saturday after speaking at a seminar about domestic violence earlier on that day. The I Got the Boy singer also shared photos of a journal entry from 2004 about her first abuser. 
She cited homicide victims, such as Gabby Petito, whose homicide made national and international headlines. She stated, the sad truth is, I was in that cycle for many years. After that, believing that was what I deserved, I think back to the beautiful Gabby Petito and so many women who have lost their lives to the hands of a man and it's hearts breaking, the cycle and how we view ourselves and hang on to their words and hope. Kramer wrote in a caption, mentally, never okay. I know how hard it is to leave. They deplete you of any self-worth. You don't deserve that. No one ever does. I'm here to tell you, you're worthy and you're strong enough, she said. In her journal, her first abuser tried to, I quote, kill me and strangle me to the ground. She considers herself one of the lucky ones for being able to get away. She's spoken previously about past abuse and has discussed her journey to healing after being on the receiving end of threats and gaslighting from previous partners to her 2 million followers. She states, our healing is to stop these negative voices, Kramer said. Now is the time to grow, learn, heal and love ourselves. We are enough. You are enough. I am enough, she continued. Melissa Roberto wrote this piece and she covers the entertainment news for Fox News. You can reach out to Melissa Roberto at melissa.roberto at fox.com. News of abuse in Peru. President Pedro Castillo sacks Prime Minister Hector Valer Pinto just three days after appointing him. He was reported for domestic violence by his wife and daughter in 2016. This was disclosed to President Pedro Castillo, who said, I quote, I have decided to recompose the cabinet, he said in a television address. The opposition and some other cabinet members were opposed to Pinto's presence in the government. Pinto came under pressure after newspapers said his wife and daughter had reported him twice for domestic violence in 2016. He denied being an abuser and said he was never convicted, although a judge had issued a protective order for his wife. Pinto says Congress has to pass a vote of no confidence before he steps down. Many have also criticized Peru's political system, in which no party holds a majority and it's difficult to push or make changes. CNN News, October 15, 2021, Hong Kong, by Jesse Young. A Chinese man who sets his ex-wife on fire as she live-streamed on her online to followers was sentenced to death. It concludes a murder case that received a nationwide notoriety. The victim, 30-year-old Lermo, was a farmer and live streamer in a Tibetan autonomous southwestern Sichuan province. She was live streaming when Tang Lu, a man busted in and poured gasoline on her and set her on fire. She died two weeks later. Her ex-husband, Tang Lu, was arrested soon after, found guilty of homicide and sentenced to death. He was also ordered to pay compensation, according to state-run broadcaster CCTV. The court found his crime, I quote, was extremely cruel and deserved severe punishment. Tang Lu had a history of physical abuse towards Lermo, repeatedly beating her many times before the divorce in June 2020. He repeatedly sought her out and asked to remarry her, but he was turned down, leading to the murder CCTV reported. 
this particular incident had raised discussions on larger problems surrounding women and violence in China. The legal system often fails to protect victims while easily pardoning perpetrators of abuse. Domestic disputes were seen as a family-private matter. Until 2015, a groundbreaking piece of legislation defined domestic violence for the first time and includes psychological abuse as well as physical violence. Critics say there are still gaps. It excludes same-sex couples and makes no mention of sexual violence. Few months before Lermo's death, China passed a controversial law requiring couples who want to divorce to first undergo a month-long cooling-off period, raising concerns it could further endanger victims of abuse and prevent them from leaving a dangerous relationship. As reported by Garden Newspapers on the 29th of March 2022, police in Canada have laid a new charge against a devil priest hiding in France amid allegations he sexually abused multiple Inuit children. The case against Johannes Rivoire, who victims say has invaded justice for decades, received renewed focus this week when Canada's Inuit leader requested the Pope personally to intervene. During a visit to the Vatican by a delegation of indigenous groups meeting privately with Pope Francis on Monday, Nathan Obed, head of Inuit Tapirit Kanatami, asked that Rivoire return to Canada to stand trial for the harm he has done. Obed called on the Pope to use his influence with the relevant authorities to have Rivoire extradited or for the priest to be tried in France. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police said a Canada-wide arrest warrant was issued last month for Rivoire, 93, who currently lives in Lyon, France. Rivoire, a priest with the missionary oblates of Mary Immaculate, worked in several Arctic communities in the 1960s and 70s before returning to France in 1993. Inuit elder Peter Inuk told APTN News last year that his friend, Marius Tugilik, was one of the Rivoire's victims. Tugilik died by suicide in 2012 at age 55. His friends say he was broken by the abuse he suffered at the hands of Rivoire. Marius drank and drank and drank. He was very much haunted by this devil priest, said Inik. There are believed to be at least five other victims. Police laid three charges against Rivoire in 1998, but he was already in France. The charges were eventually stayed after Canadian authorities felt France's policy of not extraditing citizens would limit their ability to bring it to court. The new charge dates back to allegations occurring between 1974 and 1979. There's a publication ban on the identity of the complainant. Oblates of Mary Immaculate in Canada have called on Rivoire to turn himself over to authorities and the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops have said the church should not stand in their way but assist those who have been victims to seek justice and healing. 29th March 2022 BBC News by Jennifer McKinnon Black abuse campaigners get Valerie's law proposal head. Domestic abuse campaigners say they have made history by getting their campaign for Valerie's Law heard by the government for the first time. A 106,000 signature petition for the law triggered a debate in Parliament. Safeguarding Minister Rachel McLean pledged more support for black victims. 
She said she would set up a meeting between campaigners and police to shape a strategy around officer training to help protect black women, but stopped short of a law to make it compulsory. Valerie's law was named after Valerie Ford, whose ex-partner murdered her and her baby despite having reported him to police. The campaigners from Sisters Space, a specialist domestic violence charity working with black victims, welcomed the meeting with police chiefs to shape a strategy for training, but said officers should be compelled to undergo it, backed by Valerie's law legislation. Opening the Commons debate, Labour MP Abena Opong Asare put the case to Ms. McLean for a new law. She said black women did not receive the same level of support as white women due to the way bruises can be masked by dark skin, as well as racism and adultification, where young black women were perceived or are perceived as older than they are. She set out recent scandals around Met Police abuse of women, including the strip searcher schoolgirl Child Q and Met Officers photographing the corpses of murdered sisters, Biba Henry and Nicole Smallman, had added weight to the course. The Met Police was heavily criticized over the brutal murder of Valerie Ford and her 22-month-old daughter in Hackney Inn. The Met Police was heavily criticized over the brutal murder of Valerie Ford and her 22-month-old daughter in Hackney in 2014. Ms. Ford had already reported Roland for threatening to burn her house six weeks earlier, but officers recorded it as a threat to property rather than a threat to life. Speaking after the debate, Ms. Headley of Sister Space said the group was delighted to have made history by getting the campaign for Valerie's law heard by government. There is optimism and room for hope, she said. We'll be able to discuss further plans with the chief of police. Ms. Headley said although the minister was supportive, Campaigners were still concerned the policy being drawn up was without consideration of the black voice and said they would continue to push for legal changes so that the black voice is heard. A survivor who works for Sister Space said it was important black women were listened to because too often police, housing and mental health agencies were still pushing black women away when they sought help. She was grateful not to be one of those who never made it with her experience of abuse. Her neighbors called the police for her when all hell broke loose and the two police officers who came to her aid were domestic abuse survivors themselves during the commons debate diana abbott mp for hackney north and stoke newton where sister space is based said her own experiences of abuse and dealing with the police made it clear to her there was a need for valerie's law labels mps florence eshalomi meghelia taiwo owatemi matthew pennycook and the NSPs, Kirsten Oswald and Alison Twilis, also lent support. Edmund Bauer in Cairo, The Guardian newspaper, 13th of January 2022. Egyptian media owner detained after trafficking and sexual assault claims. An Egyptian media tycoon with close ties to the government has been detained pending an investigation into allegations of sexual assault. The Egyptian Public Prosecution Service says it is investigating reports that businessman Mohammed Al-Amin sexually abused girls living in an orphanage that he owned and took them on trips to his holiday villa. Amin, best known for establishing the pro-government CBC network in 2011, was arrested on Friday to be held for four days. The court decided to extend Amin's pre-trial detention for a further 15 days in a hearing on Sunday where he told the court, I never did anything wrong. I treated those girls like my own. 
Allegations of sexual abuse at the Safe Hands Home for Girls were first made public in December by the humanitarian organization Missing Children. Its founder, Ramin El Gebali, told the Guardian newspapers that an official in the Ministry of Social Solidarity told him in mid-October of multiple complaints about the orphanage that the ministry had been slow to pursue. Has closed the home on 29th of October 2021. Three girls at the orphanage, aged between 13 and 18, reported to missing children that Amin had molested them and taken them to his seaside house on Egypt's north coast. The girls said they had been made to wear revealing clothes and to dance for Amin. One 13 year old said that he had presented her with a marriage contract, which he pressured her to sign. In an interview with the Egyptian talk show, Sada El Lard, the Minister of Social Solidarity, Nevin Kwabag, said he had initially been impressed by the facilities at the Safe Hands Home when she officially opened it in March 2021. She added that it was well known that Amin would frequently stay at the orphanage with his wife, but that the ministry responded quickly to the sexual abuse allegations in shutting down the home. The story had been widely spread on Twitter in Egypt, with many calling the case Egypt's Jeffrey Epstein, drawing parallels with a U.S. financier who was found dead in his cell in 2019 while awaiting trial for sex offenses. Amin came to prominence in July 2011 when he launched the CBC News channel after the Arab Spring protests. The network became well known for supporting the official line of the interim government when many stations used the increased press freedom to make a more critical view after President Hoshni Mubarak had stood down. When the new president, Fatal al-Sisi, came into power in 2014, Amin was appointed to be board of trustees for the Presidential Development Fund, Long Live Egypt, to which his company reportedly donated 1.2 Egyptian pounds, equivalent to 56.2 million British pounds. After his arrest, member of the House of Representatives, Mustafa Bakri, defended Amin on Twitter saying that he was the first to donate to the Long Live Egypt Fund and called him a man known for his faith and piety. The trial continues. Nigeria, 20th March 2021. News by Toby Awodipe. True Leadership for Growth and Peace Initiative, TL4GDP and Trust Empowerment Foundation have rolled out the Alert Campaign, an African Child Protection and Family Strengthening Project to end abuse, exploitation, trafficking and all forms of violence and torture against children. Speaking at a conference in Lagos recently, the campaign organizers said children's protection depends on the social values of the child's immediate environment and how well society values, recognizes and protects his or her right to reduce exposure to violence, abuse and exploitation. Lamenting that the Nigerian environment is unfavorable and harsh to her children, they said most children who experience physical, sexual or an emotional violence do so severally, it is never one-off, and they don't speak out. Government leadership and ownership of integrated case management must ensure that from the time a child is identified as being in need of support up to the time closure is brought to the case of said child, there is a group of committed stakeholders working around the clock to ensure that the child's case is not abandoned midway. UNICEF Child Protection Specialist Dr. Miriam 
Inyazu said the issue of child protection is multifaceted, stressing the need to have a multi-sectorial approach to bring together all the key stakeholders mandated to protect children and ensure an integrated, robust approach for service delivery for them. Dennis Onese, another UNICEF child protection specialist, said today's Nigerian children are facing a lot of challenges, parental neglect and abuse like never before, Adding, we carried out a survey in 2014 in all the states of the Federation, including the SCT, and for every 10 child, 6 have experienced abuse before the age of 12, and many have at least one parent around them when the abuse happened. Unbelievably, children abuse shot up by as much as 50% during the lockdown, and the abusers were mostly neighbors and family members. We need to take this campaign more seriously, and I'm urging law enforcement officers to take it very seriously as well. We report cases to the police and nothing happens. Worse, we still see the accused back on the streets the next day like nothing happened, even though he was arrested the day before. What kind of message is this sending to abusers and survivors? We want sexual abusers of children to suffer stiff punishments because when people know that sexual abusers go scot-free, they will want to do the same. Alert campaign beneficiary Elizabeth Shebioba, a 13-year-old SS1 student of Baptist Girls Academy Lagos, says she's grateful to be part of the program and wants the campaign to include more children. If you've enjoyed this episode, kindly subscribe, comment, and leave a review. See you in our next episode. For more Rising Above Shadows of Abuse news, head to our Instagram.com page or YouTube.com page forward slash Rising Above Shadows of Abuse. And our email address is Rising Above Shadows of Abuse at gmail.com to interact with us. See you soon. Rising Above Shadows of Abuse podcast with Grace of